What a great truth. What a great song and to begin our service with today. That is truth that truly changes our lives. And I, I came across this uh, quote. It's from one of the members of the group who wrote that song, uh, We the Kingdom. And this is what he said in relation to that song. He says, I am overwhelmed that there is nothing that I can bring to the cross that hasn't been washed by the blood of Jesus. His work on the cross is complete, and his work in me is being brought to completion. Yes, there are huge bumps and setbacks in the journey, but all the while as I draw near to God, I become more aware of the vastness of his compassion, and that changes everything. And I hope that that truth is deep in your heart, that you've experienced the amazing love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to welcome you here to the service today. If you're visiting, we would encourage you before you leave, please stop by and see one of our staff. We would love to, to meet you and find out how we can serve you better, but we at least would like to ask you to stop by our guest table, fill out a guest card, and pick up a guest bag. If you would like more information about our church, that's available out there for you, and we would love to have a record of your visit. But we're going to ask everyone, if you would, to stand up real quick. Take just a minute. If you haven't had a chance to speak to your neighbor, say hello. Uh, introduce yourself if you don't know them and welcome them to the service. All right, if you will be seated and direct your attention to the screen, you'll notice in your bulletin. This morning, we're going to dedicate Silas Senior to the Lord. We're thankful for Justin and Courtney. Silas is not a stranger to the office at East Hillsville Baptist Church, nor is uh, Everly, so we're really thankful for, for both of them. And just want to publicly say, Justin, I appreciate your ministry here. A lot of you don't know, but during COVID, we had about two years of where the students really couldn't meet that much. And of course, Awana couldn't meet. And then through our meeting with our deacons, we said in November, let's try to start Awana in January. I believe that was right, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so they scrambled and tried to get workers. I want to thank everybody who served in Awana. It's such a, such a wonderful ministry. And we had probably one of the highest totals we've had for uh, children in probably 10 years. So... We want to thank the parents for bringing their uh, children, but also want to thank Justin and Courtney for all their hard work and all our Wano workers. And also just started our children's worship, I believe, in January. And this went really well. Now, it'll be uh, stopped for the summer, but we want to thank you so much for all your hard work. I want to thank uh, you, uh, Courtney. She's not a staff member here, but she works just like a staff member. So thank you so much. And it wasn't long ago we dedicated Everly, and this morning we come to dedicate uh, little Silas. So I want to share this verse out of out of 1 Samuel, and it's about Hannah when she could not have a baby. Okay, she goes to the temple and she prays for one. And then God answers her prayer, and this is what she says about her child. She says I, to the Lord, she says, I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life, and they worship the Lord there. Now that little boy served in the temple, this morning, we're going to pray for Silas to be born again and for God to use his life for his glory. Amen. And in doing that, I ask the parents a question. It's kind of a covenant that the parents make before their family and friends and before their church. And I'll ask you this question, the same one I asked when you dedicated Everly. In presenting Silas to the Lord, do you promise through God's grace and the help of the church to teach your child the truths of the Christian faith 
Do you also promise through prayer, word, and example to bring solace up in the nurture, discipline, and instruction of our Lord? And church, of course, we're, we're all a part of helping a young person come to Christ. And I'd like to ask you the same question. Congregation, do you promise to provide spiritual instruction for Silas by giving of your time, talent, and resources to help him come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And do you promise to pray for Justin and Courtney as they seek to raise Silas in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Respond by saying we do. We thank you very much. And we have several things we want to give you today. We have a certificate. We have a Bible, and that is Silas's little Bible there. We also have an ETBC Student Ministries t-shirt, and I'm sure you got a couple of those. And this is a letter, of course, that I've written to uh, Silas, one just similar to one that I wrote to Everly. And that letter just states what happened here today, that their parents made a covenant with God to raise him as best they can in the fear and admonition of the Lord that the congregation said that we'll do all that we can. Think about this for a moment. One of you may have the opportunity to lead Silas to the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? You may in Sunday school, Awana, VBS, or whatever. And it also states that today we prayed for his salvation. And that's what we mean by dedicating him to the Lord, is that we're going to pray for his salvation. So if you will, pray with me now as we pray for Silas's salvation. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for the birth of Silas Senior. Father, I want to thank you for Justin and Courtney and their service here. Father, today as a church and as their friends and family are here, we pray for his salvation. Lord, nothing is more important than this young, young child's salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd save him at an early age. Use him for your honor and your glory as a child, as a teenager, Lord, as an adult. I pray that the kingdom of God would be expanded and the name of Jesus would be glorified because of his birth and because of his salvation. Father, I pray that you continue to bless Justin and Courtney and Everly. Lord, bless every area of their life as they seek to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and bless their ministry here. And we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise there. Thank you. this morning and worship with us.
time in prayer. As I often say, this is kind of like our invitation time. You can come by yourself as a family. Uh, if you don't have anything to pray for or anybody to pray for, you can look in your uh, bulletin because each name in there, families or individuals have requested that our church pray for them. This is a great time for you to do that. Also, I'd like for you to remember Sandra Arms and her family in prayer. Last Sunday morning, she was sitting right here and I was talking to her about her health condition. She had to leave the service, went to Iredale. They, they sent her to Baptist. She had emergency surgery. Um, she's at home now, probably watching this service. And I told her that we'd mention her name uh, to the Lord in prayer this morning for her healing. We're thankful her surgery went well. Also, Dwayne Eichard, his wife Kelly, works with Kathy to do our Christmas and TVL. He had three or four seizures last week. He coded at Iredell Hospital. And uh, thankfully, he's, he's better. I'm not sure if Dwayne has made it home. He's made it home now. And uh, if, I, if you would, I would encourage you to pray for that family as well. And then you can pray for anything you want to. Pray for the service. Pray for me as I preach, the choir as they sing. If you have a lost family member, now's the time to do that, okay? So as, as the praise team and the choir leads us in this song, if you will, meet me here at this altar. And let's petition the Lord on these people's behalf this morning. Thank you very much. If you would, silently, would you lift up the Sandra Arms family in prayer this morning? Now, if you would, lift up Dwayne Eichert and his family in prayer. And Father, we thank you for how you work things out in both of these families and these individuals. Father, we pray for their continued recovery. And Lord, we pray for healing. Father, along with hospital stays come financial issues and different things like that. And Lord, we pray that you would meet those needs as well. Father, I pray for everyone in this congregation this morning, those watching online. Lord, only you know what people are going through. But I'm so thankful that you hear us when we pray. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your help. Lord, there are people here that need emotional help. Father, there are people here that need physical strength. Father, there are people here that need uh, your touch spiritually. And Father, I pray for all those. Lord, as we lift up family members and loved ones who aren't here, who may be even across the globe, we're so thankful that our prayers can reach heaven and you can reach them. So Father, we don't take this time for granted this morning. And we thank you that you hear us when we pray because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we pray that you'd bless this service this morning as we talk about forgiveness. First off, Lord, we thank you for our forgiveness. And Lord, help us to have the courage, the bravery, and the Christ-likeness to forgive those who have hurt us. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say together, amen. Thank you.
seated.
Well, we've been in this series, uh, Question and Answers. We've been in this series for several months now. The one we're going to answer this morning is, Why Should I Forgive? Forgiveness is so easy to preach about, so easy to study about. Sometimes it's so hard to do, because what forgiveness means is I've been hurt by somebody. And you have to make a decision to forgive, and that's going to be the invitation before we get started. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses, we'll look at verses 30 and 32 this morning. So if you'll stand, and as you're standing, I have just a couple of announcements that Justin's asked me to mention. And the first is about VBS. You can sign up online at easthellsville.com. We're at 50, 50% of the volunteers that are needed. Uh, VBS is our revival. We have more salvations through VBS. We'll have more, um, we'll have more visitors from the community, more people that are lost on this campus those, those four or five days than we will probably the rest of the church here. And we put a lot of time and effort and energy. If you look in our budget, we put a lot of money into VBS. We'll serve about 2,000 meals that week and have a lot of people on our campus. But we can't do VBS unless you sign up. Typically, if you're like me, you sign up at the last minute. Okay, our crew leaders are very important. See, if you don't sign up, I'll have to be in the three- and four-year-old class. And I promise God I'd never do that again. <laughs> All right, no, I'm just kidding. But please, if you can go online or call Justin uh, and, and sign up for VBS, it's my favorite time of the week here. And uh, so if you will do that, please. Also, I asked Justin about student camp. Probably the most, probably the best spiritual experiences I've had other than my salvation was when I went to the Philippines and then youth camp. I mean, God does something that week. It's just hard to explain. Kevin can tell you. Justin can tell you, I was a youth pastor for years. Uh, I just loved every minute of my youth camp. You're at the beach, people. I mean, you're at the beach, Camp Castle. I've never been there, okay? Uh, it's it's Pat, between Oak Island and South Point, I believe. Uh, what a tremendous week. The, I've, I've met the leadership at Camp Castle. It is uh, well-staffed. Um, your child will hear the truths of the Christian faith around other churches. Just a wonderful time. They have four spots open. And then look up Lodge, which always fills up fast. It's a really good uh, children's camp. There's a waiting list, but if your child would like to go, uh, please contact Justin, okay? These are very important things. And I, want, I wanted to mention those this morning. Uh, being a, a former youth pastor and student pastor, I understand uh, how important these events are. So if you're interested in any of those, please contact Justin. Ephesians 5, uh, 4, verses 30. Notice what verse 30 says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, comma. Stop right there. He's talking to Christians. And we get into the four points I have this morning. You can greatly grieve the Holy Spirit even though you're a Christian. Okay? Greatly grieve the Holy Spirit. All right? And Paul tells the church at Ephesus, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to, to give a theological reason by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, which means this. Look at me, Christians. You cannot lose your salvation. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes into this. This is how Paul does it. And then he says, because of that, he says in verse 31, let all bitterness, now look at the word bitterness, because it, bitterness leads to all the rest of this. When Paul starts a list, like when he starts the fruits of the Spirit, he'll say the fruits of the Spirit are love, and love dictates the rest. Here he says, let all bitterness, and if you don't get rid of bitterness... It'll lead to wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. He said, let all that be put away from you with all malice. And then verse 32, he says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. 
Father, as we come to you in prayer, thank you for our forgiveness. And Father, help us to forgive others to the, the, the degree that you've forgiven us. Lord, it's easy to preach. It's easy to teach. A lot harder to do. But Father, I pray that we would not grieve the Holy Spirit this morning. I pray that we'd not leave here bitter, but better. I pray that we'd not leave here uh, with our hearts toughened, but Lord, we'd leave here tenderhearted and help us to show grace to those who have hurt us the most, Father. Even if it's from a distance, help us to be more like you and forgiven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One person put it this way. He said, and I want you to notice the last part of verse 32, because that's the basis for all this, even as God in Christ has forgiven you or forgave you. One, one scholar put it this way, the guilt of sin can crush our souls. We talked about that last week. Weighed down by shame, the sinner asks, will God forgive me? The good news is that through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, we can experience, now this is the way he put it. I mentioned this a little bit last week. We'll get into it a little bit more this morning. God's complete, total forgiveness of sins. The psalmist in 103 says this, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? None of us could. Imagine if God showed you the record of your sins. Your entire life. What about just last week? Wouldn't, wouldn't you be ashamed and embarrassed? And we're living filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, but with you there's forgiveness so that, so that we can with reverence serve you. And basically what he's saying is our worst nightmare is God keeping a record of our sins. Our greatest dream is that with God there is forgiveness. And what, basically what he's saying is the basis for your forgiveness of, forgiveness of others is that God has forgiven us. In Ephesians, Paul starts out talking about the church. He says basically that God predetermined that once he saved you, that there'd be good works coming through your life. That means in the church, in the community, with others, that's going to happen. In Ephesians 2, he says, you were spiritually dead, a child of the devil, and God by grace saved you. you didn't, he said, you're not saved uh, by your own works that you could boast, but by grace through faith you're saved, which means your salvation is a God thing. You said yes, but God initiated your salvation, so he gets all the glory. And then he talks about there's to be unity. He says, he says with, with each other, there's no Jew nor Greek, male nor female. There, there are no barriers now. We're all one in Christ. And then he talks about this, that Jesus Christ can give you a peace that passes all understanding. Then he talks about the mystery of a person whose life has been changed. And you come down here to Ephesians 4, and then he says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, but because you've been forgiven, forgive others. Now notice this definition on the screen of forgiveness. One of my favorite pastor theologians said this, he said, forgiveness is a promise to no longer remember one's sins and cease holding it against him. Look at the word remember. What that means is this. I, it's not that I forget it, but I will not hold it against you. You're not responsible for that, in my case, anymore. In Psalm 25, listen to what David says. All the verses not up there. David asked for forgiveness for the sins of his youth, and he says this. Remember your mercy, O Lord. And your steadfast, steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, O Lord, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. One scholar says it's interesting to note how David talks to God. He says, God, do this. Remember your mercy, which is old, but do not remember the sins of my youth. 
Remember me in accordance with your love and for the sake of your goodness. David knows full well that God is fully aware of every detail of his sin. He only asks God not to remember his sin. When, when God speaks, he'll say, I will not remember your sins anymore. He says that to Israel at times. To lost people, he'll say this oftentimes in Ezekiel. He says, or not in Ezekiel, in Jeremiah 14. Jeremiah speaks regarding a famine. And in verses 1 through 6, he talks about the famine. In verses 7 through 9 is the prayer for help. Then starting in verses 14, 10, the Lord answers and said, This is why I sent the famine and why it's going to stay here. He says, They have loved to wander thus. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them now. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. So God says, I'm not going to forget this in the life of this nation because they've wandered thus and they have not repented. Okay? They have not repented. But in Ezekiel 33, 14, and 16, God comments on how even if a wicked man turns from his sins and walks in the statue of life, this is what God says, none of his sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. Look at these four truths about forgiveness, and this is where you stand today. God's not going to remember your sin. God forgives all our sins. Notice that. Past, present, and future. The moment you were saved. Past, present, and future. When God forgave me on October 30th, 1990, around 7.20-something p.m., a mile from this church, exactly a mile, okay? He forgave me instantly in that moment. It was hard for me as a thinker and a person who questioned everything, note-taker in school and in college, questioned the professor on everything. How can you prove that, okay? It was hard for me to fathom that God could forgive me because I knew me, and I know me now better than anybody, past, present, and what I may do in the future. Unbelievable. Friend, there's no other faith that offers that. None. Then God forgives those who ask in repentance. Remember last week we talked about a pardon? A pardon has to be accepted. You can say no. People, look, there's 100 churches plus in this county. There'll be 80-some invitations given this morning. And there'll be people in every church say no to Jesus. Isn't that something? That just blows my mind. God will never bring it back up. That's why he says he will not remember it. Not like God forgets. He can't forget, but he will never bring it back up. And God's forgiveness should lead to holy living. So why should I forgive? I should forgive based on Ephesians 4, so I will not be a bitter person. Notice the verse on the screen, if you will. Let all bitterness... Look at that Greek word there. And the reason I'm only going to talk about bitterness for a moment is because wrath comes after bitterness. Anger comes after bitterness. Clamor comes after bitterness, and the rest of that comes after bitterness. Bitterness means you can be here this morning, you can dress nice, you can give your offering, you can sing praises, you can raise your hand. You can. I mean, it's real simple. If you just want to do that, you can do it and be the most bitter person in the world. You can smile. You ever seen somebody go, yeah, you're bitter. I've seen them at Walmart. You're bitter. You're bitter. Yeah. Preacher, hate them. No, I'm a, you're bitter. No, I'm just kidding. But think about this. Everything starts with bitterness because Paul says it's easy to hide. If you get rid of bitterness, you don't have to worry about the rest. That Greek word was used literally to describe plants that produced inedible or poisonous fruit. The Greeks defined this word as a long-standing resentment as the spirit which refuses to be reconciled. Think about that for a minute. Mm -mm. I'm not going to forgive that person. You may not say it audibly, but inside, you hadn't forgave them. 
It defines a settled hostility. Listen to this. That poisons the whole inner man. It does more damage to the one who is bitter than the intended victim. It's an irritable state of mind that keeps a person in perpetual animosity that inclines him or her to harsh and uncharitable opinions of people and things that makes them sour, crabby, repulsive in this general demeanor that brings a scowl over their face. Warren Wiersbe said this, talking about bitterness. He says, an unforgiving spirit is the devil's playground. And before long, it becomes the Christian's battleground. And it is a battle. If somebody hurts us, either deliberately or unintentionally, we do not forgive him, then we begin to develop bitterness within, which hardens the heart. Bitterness in the heart makes us treat others the way Satan treats us. So I ask you this question. I'm not going to ask you if there's wrath, anger, clamor. Because see, anybody can lie about that. But are you a bitter person? Are you a bitter person? And what bitterness says, and every Christian scholar I read after, and even psychologist, Christian psychologist said, bitterness means I've been hurt to so understand a person has bitterness, they're human. But you don't have to live with it. The only way to get rid of bitterness is to forgive and to let go. Send it away. Send it away. It's the only way. Okay? Because there's, there's a debt there. Now, if I loan somebody money, now he would never need money because he has money, but if I loan Bobby Johnson $1,000 today after church, now he don't need it, okay, because he's got it. And let's just say Bobby says, Preacher, I'm going to pay you back Friday. Well, what if Friday comes? Ah, it's just Friday. He drives a truck from A's Meat. He's busy, right, killing cows. Aren't you thankful for dead cows? I am. Well, what if the next Friday comes, right, and we're in church and I'm preaching, there's old Bob. Owe me a thousand bucks, right? Well, Bob says, hey, preacher, how you doing? Hope you have a good week. What if the next week comes? And we're in church singing, you know, oh, how I love the Lord, amazing grace. Bob's raising his hands, crying, you know. He says, preacher, hope you have a good week. What if the next week comes? What if three months pass? You know what Bob and I have in this church service? We have debt, right? There's debt there. thousand bucks. What if Bobby never brings it back up again? What if I ask him about it? What if he says this? Man, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I bet it's happened to some of you. What, is, what, what am I to do as your preacher? Because every time he comes in the room, there's debt. If somebody's hurt you, every time you think of that person, there's a debt there, right? It's there. Let's not, be, let's not act like it's not there. It's there. He owes me a debt. And I can either get mad and get bitter... Or just say, God in Christ, I forgive him, and he don't owe me that money anymore. Now, you can't do that with Visa or the banks, all right? But I can do it with Bobby if I want to. Or I can preach, and I can stand up here, and I can be bitter and preach. I can do it. You can be bitter and sing. You can be bitter and teach Sunday school. You can be bitter and be a deacon because nobody sees it. But on the inside, you know what? It hurts, don't it? Every time you see that person, man, he owes me money. And I can even tell him, man, I forgive you. But do I? See, a bitter person hopes to see him get hurt. It does. So why should I forgive? Why should I forgive? The basis is because God in Christ forgave me completely, instantly, and will not bring my sins back up past, present, or future. Isn't that amazing? Okay? 
The basis of that is I will not become a bitter person. Number two, Paul says this, so I will become a kind person. I will be kind. I've talked about this before. And be kind to one another. See, a person who forgives shows incredible kindness. And a person who has a forgiven spirit will be a kind person. That word for kindness basically just means this. And I preach on this so much. What it, what it means is this. You see something lacking in another person, and because you have a kind spirit, you meet what is lacking. That's what that means. That's why, listen, a, a, a kind word can change somebody's day. Because you don't know what somebody else is going through, do you? You, just, you don't. A card that you send can change somebody's week. All right? A little note you write. A little gift you send. Okay? Could change somebody's life, but a bitter person will never be kind. They just won't. You know, God is characterized by kindness. Peter said this. He said, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Have you tasted it? The psalmist says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That word just means kind there. Kind. Jesus was characterized by that. And what the Lord would tell us is this. If you are a forgiving person, then you should be a person whose life is full of good things. One scholar put it this way. The life of Jesus was a life full of doing acts of kindness in the lives of people around him. Every act of kindness that we have recorded in the Bible involves Jesus meeting not only the spiritual needs of the people, but also their physical and emotional needs. In Luke 6, Jesus says this. These are the red letters. And these are hard to do, by the way. Easy to read. Easy to preach and teach. Hard to do. He says, but love your enemies. And then he stopped. He's talking about the Jewish people. And they had many. Due to this day. He says, but love your enemies. Do good or be kind. And lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your, this is what he says. And your reward will be great. That's a promise from him. It's not a promise from me. It's a promise from him. And you will be sons of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. And I would ask you this question. Are you a kind person? If you are a forgiving person and don't hold bitterness, you will be. Why should I forgive? Point number three is so I will become tenderhearted, or that word could be compassionate. Look at the word. The Greek word's a really long Greek word. All right, if you can pronounce it after church service today, I'll buy you a meal somewhere this week. It's a really hard word to pronounce. One scholar put it this way, Jesus, he was so strong, yet so tender-hearted. Now, we're talking about Jesus being kind and compassionate. You've got to understand that on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So his, everything flowed from his forgiveness. Jesus was so strong, yet so tender-hearted. No authority could make him fearful. No array of power could ever don him. And yet a bruised reed he would not break and a smoking flax he would not quench. He was not tender because he knew so little. He was tender because he knew so much. All that was hidden from duller eyes he saw. All that men had to bear and battle through. Their helplessness, their crying in the night, their inarticulate appeal to heaven. All this was ever audible to Jesus and kept his heart as tender as a child's. And he never lost this tenderness, even in the darkness of the cross. 
Men scorned him and they spat on him and crucified him. Yet he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That word for tenderhearted literally means in the Greek, when they would use that word, it means having strong, healthy bowels. Now, if your doctor tells you that, he's meaning something else, okay, probably. But what that means is it's the upward part of here, your lungs, your heart, your kidneys. Basically, the Greeks would use this term to describe your gut, if you will. Have you ever said this? Uh, I feel sorrow in my heart for that person, it, it, so much so that it hurts me here. It hurts my stomach. Man, I just feel so bad for that person. I've, I've had calls before, being your pastor, where tragic events happen, and I you know, grew up in the county, know these people. No, I, I could point out all over this congregation this morning. And the first thing is you just start hurting all over. I mean, you just hurt. You hurt. I've left gravesides just smiling on your face but hurting. You just hurt. That's what that word means. You can't help it. You can't stop it. You just hurt for somebody. All right? See, a, for a bitter person doesn't get here. They just don't. You're not going to hurt for anybody, but you just want to see somebody pay back. Have you ever hurt for somebody? That's what that means. Lord, I, it's, it not only means this, I hurt for that person, but they have such a need that I want to try to help them. It, 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 one, one scholar put it this way, the modern expressions of deep feelings such as being brokenhearted or gut-riching. This Greek word is the strongest Greek word for expressing, expressing compassionate love or tender mercy and involves one's entire being. It describes the compassion which moves a man to the deepest depths of his soul. Peter, the only other time this word is used, Peter used it. You remember Peter? He was so outspoken. He, uh, he cursed whenever they, when, when, when uh, a lady asked him, said, do you know Jesus? And he, he said, I swear by God's name, I don't know him. Denied him three times. He, he caught a curse. He basically said, if I know Jesus, I pray God will judge me. That's how far away he got from the Lord. Okay? He was also the man that when they come to arrest Jesus in the garden, he took out his sword to cut his head off. And, actually, and he was such a bad swing that he cut his ear off, thankfully. And Jesus put it back on. He said, Peter, it's not the way the kingdom's going to come. Put your sword up. He didn't tell him to give it away. He didn't say ban him, but he said, put your sword up. You don't need that today. But Peter said this, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, tenderhearted, and humble in spirit. What a difference Jesus made in Peter's life. What a difference. See, why should I forgive so I won't be bitter, so I'll become kinder, so I'll be more tenderhearted toward people? And finally, so I'll forgive others like Jesus forgave me. Think about what forgiveness is not. Now hear me out on this. And I've had counseling situations since I've been in ministry, and I've had to explain this to people. And I'm going to read a quote from a pastor I really appreciate. He, he kind of makes plain terms to his congregation. But forgiveness is not, is not staying in an abusive situation. That's not forgiveness. That's foolishness. If you're being abused, get out of the situation. If you have to call the authorities, call them. If you have to do that, do that. The pastor says you can forgive someone almost everything or anything, but you cannot tolerate everything. We don't have to tolerate what people do just because we forgive them for doing it. Forgiving heals us personally. To tolerate everything only hurts us all in the long run. 
Then he gives some examples. He says, forgive a wife slammer if you can, but you don't have to live with him. Forgive a husband who is abusing your children if you can, but only after you kick him out of the house. And if you can't get him out, get help. It's available. In the meantime, don't let him near the kids and don't let anyone tell you that if you forgive him, it means you have to stay with him. There's an important difference between forgiving a person and tolerating their bad behavior. So forgiveness is not staying in an abusive situation. Maybe the person will get right with God and you can come back together. Forgiveness does not mean that we have to be buddies. doesn't mean that. It does not mean that we have to be best friends. You also can forgive at a distance. See, there's some people it's probably better that you don't go see, depending on what happened. See, if a person has hurt you and they don't care, if you go to confront them, they may not care even more. You may not have that opportunity, okay? You may have to just forgive at a distance. I heard a pastor at a conference one time, he said that he, he can never go back to his home church. It's just too far away in his age. But he says, you know what? I want you to know I've forgiven this person that goes to that church, and he made a phone call, all right? He said, I forgave this person at a distance. You may have people in your life that are dead that you never forgave. You may just want to go to the graveside and forgive them. You may have to. I've heard of people going to a dad's graveside years later. Get right with the Lord. Take all that abuse and just read a letter of forgiveness. I've heard it. I've, seen, I've heard of ladies in this community going to gravesides with their moms. Nothing worse than being hurt by your mom, is it? I wouldn't know. Thankful. But they'll go to the grave. I say, you just may have to go to the graveside. Go to that, go to that grave. Talk to the tombstones. Maybe the only opportunity you have. You know, prisoners sometimes, Scotty, will tell them, talk to a chair, right? Imagine that person's in that chair, and you forgive them. You can even do that with asking for forgiveness to a point. Sometimes you have to forgive at a distance. Forgiveness does not mean you can't defend your life, your reputation, or your family. One man put it this way, though. Only the brave know how to forgive. It is the most refined and generous element of human virtue. Cowards have done good deeds and performed kind acts. Cowards have even fought and conquered, but cowards never forgive. It's not in their nature. It's not in their hearts. The power to forgive flows only from a strength and a greatness of soul, conscience of its own humility and security, and able to rise above all the little temptations of resenting every fruitless attempt to steal its happiness. You're never more like God than when you forgive. I remember hearing about two farmers. One guy's name was Bill, and the other guy's name was Joe. They had farms near each other. And they were best friends until they had a land dispute. And if you farm or if you have land, you can understand how that would be. Well, they never talked for years. See, before they'd go to their kids' weddings, grandkids' birthday parties, but man, not anymore. You got my land, Joe would say. Bill would say, no, that's my land. He wouldn't talk. Then Joe got sick. was near death. He told his wife, he said, you got to get Bill over here. i got to make things right. So after years, Bill comes over. Joe's in the bed. Joe says, Bill, I just want you to understand I want to ask for your forgiveness for this. And in my heart, I forgive you for this. And they both shook hands, and as Bill was walking out, Joe says, but Bill, remember this. If I get better, this doesn't count. 
So don't be like Joe, all right? Don't be like him. Don't be like Froggy and Little Rascals. He's always, he'd always do this. I forgive you. You remember that? But Billy Graham did say this, and remember this quote, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to, to discover that that prisoner was you. And I can tell you from personal experience, that's the truth. To forgive is to set a prisoner free, and what God does is open that jail cell and says, come on out, son. So have you forgiven this morning? I'm not asking you to say names out loud. I'm not asking you to come forward. You can if you want to. But I'm going to ask your musicians to come. And as they come, I want you to put these questions up on the screen. And I'm going to read them real slowly to you. Now, when I say, have you truly forgiven, I, I want you to answer these questions in your heart. When you think of that person, are you still angry, bitter, or resentful? Only you can answer that. When you think of that incident that happened to you, Number two, do you have a subtle desire to see that person pay for what they did to you? Do you have a secret desire for revenge? I'm talking about mature Christianity here, okay? Do you find yourself telling others how the other person hurt you over and over again? It always comes up. I'm going to ask you a question again. Have you truly forgiven? Verse 32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. It takes an incredibly mature, strong, courageous, born-again Christian to forgive. And I'm going to ask you to look at number five. Forgive them today. Would you stand with me, every head bowed and every eye closed? I would say this, if you're forgiven, rejoice in your relationship with the Father. If you're not forgiven by God, know that both on earth and in eternity you'll bear the consequences of your sin. But know too that Jesus died in your place to take the punishment you deserve. And if you turn to Him in repentance, believing that He can save you, God will forgive you. Because Jesus took your sins and God's wrath so that you can know the blessedness of forgiveness. And I'll say this to you in the quietness of this moment. There's no greater feeling in the world knowing that you're forgiven. And second, and only second to that, is forgiving the person who has hurt us the most. So in the quietness of this moment, and this is our invitation, there's two prayers to pray this morning. If you don't know the Lord, pray this. Father, today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. And the other one is this. Father, today, I forgive and you fill in the blank. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, this is your time and these are your people. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts. Father, for Christians, I pray that today we would forgive and send that debt away forever, just as you forgave us. Father, if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. In Jesus' name, amen. If Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning.
you so much for your attendance here today. I just want to reiterate, if you'd like to help with BBS, please see Justin or go online. It's the easiest way to sign up. We really need your help, and we'd really appreciate it if you would serve that week. Uh, also, want to tell you, if you're here today and you never placed your faith and trust in Jesus and you'd like to talk to me or one of the staff, please contact us. We'd love to talk to you about that. I hope you have a blessed week. Be tenderhearted, be compassionate, be kind, and be forgiving. God bless you, and you're dismissed.